Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. All right, welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, and we are continuing today our study in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 11 today, um, right at the end of the chapter, beginning in verse 25. Uh, So we'll go from verse 25, or verse 25 down to verse 36. Remember when we talked the other day uh, that um, chapters 9 through 11 appear many scholars think, to be a sermon that uh, of the Apostle Paul's that was kind of um, just woven into the, the book of Romans. And so you actually it actually fits pretty nicely if you finish with chapter 8, pick up with chapter 12, and you leave chapters 9, 10, and 11 out, um, that there's still a, a real continuity of thought, and, and it, the book seems to, to fit together really well. Chapters 9, 10, and 11 um, don't really question the historicity of those things, don't uh, really question the authorship of those things as much as it's just realizing that it, it really kind of tackles a, a particular issue. And it's, um, you know, Paul's talking about um, salvation and uh, he talks about um, God's choice in salvation. He deals with um, Israel and the Gentiles and the the differences in how God has approached um, Israel and, and and those that are outside of Israel, this was a particular concern from the for the church at Rome because uh, because it was made up of um, both Gentile and Jewish believers, and there's a there's a sense that they were they were very much attuned to uh, to you know to this conversation. And so, as we begin, as we as we get in to um, talking about this mystery of Israel's salvation, um, what we kind of really want to focus on today is is that Paul really presents for us uh, an idea and and a plan that it's God's plan, um, and that God's plan for Israel is um, for the eventual restoration of Israel. Um, God's not done with Israel yet, and and we've talked a little bit about that already, but we're going to kind of finish that today. And so as we read the passage, uh, beginning in verse 25, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake. But as regards as regards election, um, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Of the depth of the riches and the and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. 
For who has known the mind of God, mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him all thing are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so, um, as we as we begin with um, with verse twenty five, um, Paul is is really reminding us here um, that that there is. There is a plan of God. There is the mind of God. There is there are the thoughts of God, and that and that we really shouldn't consider ourselves too highly when we think about um, about our ability, our reasoning. When we think about our plans uh, in light of in light of God's purposes, and so he says, basically, I don't want you to be ignorant of this ministry. I don't want you to be wise in your own sight. Um, but I, but I want you to understand this mystery. In other words, he, you know, no matter the translation, the the meaning is the same. Um, that that ultimately Christians can't be um, like we can't think that we have such an intellectual ascent to understanding God's plan that we have the the ability to really understand and to really figure out and to to really understand the the depths of. Um, of God, of His plan, of His reasoning, and and anything in that, and and yet we have the tendency to try to bring God down to our level when we start to think about the um, when we start to think about the the wisdom and and the knowledge and and the the mind of God. And so uh, here, Paul is saying, "Look, there is a there is a there's a truth. There's a there's something in operation here that is." that's significant and it's it's really beyond our minds to take in um he but he but he begins to try to put you know as, as i say to my kids sometimes he begins to try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for us and so he he says um brothers um, a partial hardening has come upon israel until the fullness of the gentiles um, has come in and, and so in other words um that that god is God is allowing a spiritual blindness to come on Israel. That Israel is being given over um, to their to their own thoughts. Israel is being given over to their own desires. Israel is being given over to their misunderstandings. And we know that that God does this other places in Scripture. We you know we hear about in um, you know in the story of the the Exodus that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Um, Essentially, God, God led Pharaoh not to reconsider that he he fixed in Pharaoh's mind and in his heart that thing that he had already thought of and purposed to do. And so God's not God's not being deterministic here in in enforcing Pharaoh to see something or to think something. And quite the contrary, he's just allowing um, he's allowing Pharaoh to to not reconsider, to not be distracted, but to, but to be given completely over to his thoughts. We see in Romans chapter 1 where Paul, you know, we saw this very clearly where Paul talks about the idea of the, you know, the, the, the effects of sin on our world. And, and part, part of what he says there is, is that, that men have been given over to the hardness of their hearts. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that God caused them to sin. It means what, what it means is that we all sin because that's our, because that's that's our nature. That's what we've been born into. We're we're in brokenness, and and so therefore, um, that that being given over to that hardness means that 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 God just doesn't pull us out of it or challenge us out of it. 
But I think the thing that's noteworthy here is is to say for this for this season that God has given Israel over um, to blindness in 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 part so that the the fullness of the Gentiles can come in. In other words, God set this temporary, this temporary condition, um, but that there is some day when when the Jews will, you know, will come to their senses, that they'll come to and realize their blindness and their folly, um, and and they will they will be restored, and and it will bring in. Um, you know what we believe is the is the great you know the great kingdom age, um, and and Paul says in, he says in here that and in this way all Israel will be saved. Now I don't think that necessarily means uh, it doesn't mean necessarily that all all Jews are going to be saved because because of their eth- ethnicity. I, I don't think it means any more than all Jews reject Jesus because we know that's not true. Many of us have. You know, I have friends. Some of us have family that are um, that are that are ethnically Jews, that are professing Jews, that are, that are that come from Jewish lineage that follow Jesus. And so we can't say that all Jews have re- rejected Jesus. So Paul's just kind of using um, big language and hyperbole here to say that 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 ultimately God's destiny for Israel um, is is going to be worked out, and they're going to be saved at some point. And then he goes back and and of course he quotes this passage out of out of Psalm sixty nine, um, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And so this is really just Paul restating the the covenants that have already been you know been stated and been spoken over Israel. We could go back to to Genesis chapter thirteen, and in Genesis thirteen we remember that you know that God made a covenant. Uh, with Abram, and and in that covenant, um, he chose, um, he 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 put his his choosing uh, on Israel. Uh, if you look down in in verse fourteen of chapter thirteen, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the lands you see, I will give you and to your offspring forever. Um, and, and of course, we know that the word here, uh, forever, means forever, <laughs> right? Like there's there's no mystery in this verse that that ultimately, you know, God is God is 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 looking into the future and he's he's making a covenant promise with Israel, and that promise hasn't changed just because of Israel's disobedience or because of their blindness. Um, you know, verse 7 of chapter 17 of Genesis, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Um, so God ultimately is making the promise to Israel, making the promise to, to Abraham that that he will be their God and that they will be his people. And, and so... Um, so there, there is there is this period of time that we're in now, where 
where the Gentiles are having an opportunity. Those who are outside of Israel are having an opportunity to be able to to turn to the Lord. And, and we have this moment. But something that, that I think really should um, really comfort all of us is this idea that as that as we look into what Paul's saying here in Romans, that that God didn't forget about his promise to Israel. He hasn't he hasn't uh, he hasn't failed in his covenant. He hasn't declared um, the contract null and void. No, to the contrary, um, he he has a plan to to save and to rescue Israel. It says in in verse twenty eight, as regards the gospel, they are the enemies of God for your sake. But as re- as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Um, you know, there's there's this this idea that that ultimately. Um, God is God is is working about a plan where He's going to keep His covenant and and where where Israel, true Israel, is going to be um, is is going to be saved, uh, is going to be rescued by the work of of Jesus. Um, you know, I think sometimes people try to do some some kind of interesting theological gymnastics with this to say that um, that that Israel is. Um, that we're talking about a spiritual Israel, and that Paul was really talking about the church, and and I think my retort to that would be that if Paul wanted to talk about the church, he could talk about the church. But what he what he really said is, and 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 what he really pointed to here is, is that that God is not finished with the nation of Israel as a nation or as a, as a distinct ethnic group, um, and and that though God may have turned the focus of His saving mercies away from Israel. Um, specifically and onto the general, the Gentiles in a general way, he's going to turn, he's going to turn it back again, and and that all um, all Israel that that Israel will have the opportunity um, to be saved, and and so as you know as we continue um, looking down in verse twenty eight, it says. Um, we, you know, we said that that ultimately this is a result of of God's election, of of God's choosing that there will be a point where Israel will be saved. And in verse twenty nine, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's great news for you and for me, for those of us that have been called out of darkness and have been called into light. That that God ultimately is is not He's not capricious. He's not slack about His promises. He doesn't forget. He doesn't renegotiate the contract. Um, but, but that God ultimately, when He when He brings salvation, He brings salvation, and and that He ultimately can be counted on, just as Israel can count on the covenant that God made with Abraham, um, you know, way back um, at that time. And, and so then he goes on to say, and to kind of frame it in our minds, verse 30, for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have, have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you that they all also now also may now receive mercy. Um in other words, saying that that like sin is universal, that that disobedience for God has consigned all to disobedience, that He may have mercy on all. So Israel's sin is ultimately what condemns them, and Jesus' work is ultimately going to be what is is going to save them, and that that God and 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 so for we in the for us in the church, we need to remember that God isn't through with Israel, and that they are. That they are loved by God, and and for 
for the sake of the covenant that God made because of because of who God is and ultimately um, ultimately because of uh, because of the promise that he made to their fathers that 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 God is going to God is going to rescue Israel and so um, Paul ultimately wants us to remember where we came from and and he wants us to to, to remember um, God's promises in this. And so he reminds us that we, yes, we were the ones that were once disobedient, that we obtained mercy because, because ultimately their disobedience God used to, to, to open the door to the Gentiles, but that God, um, God ultimately is, is at work. And so you go down to verse 33 and we kind of look at the end of this passage and, and what, what Paul is, is motivated to at this point when he, when he begins to think about it. Remember, this is the same Paul who just a few chapters earlier said, I, I wish that I, even that I could be cursed. That that I could, I wish that I could give up my salvation um, just to ensure that my Jewish brothers and sisters would would be able to come to Christ and would be rescued by the work of Jesus. And Paul was ready to lay down his own life for for those people that were that were a part of the a part of Israel and a part of the Jewish heritage. And and so so this same Paul, when he when he gets to this point in this sermon where he he recognizes the faithfulness of God and recognizes the fact that God is not slack and he and he hasn't he hasn't failed to live up to his promises, Paul is just moved to to worship. And so he talks about the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. In other words, Paul's saying, like, who but you, God, could make this plan? Who but you, God, could 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 orchestrate all this together? Who but you, God, have the have the view of the world and, and the whole of history, who could have planned this scenario with Israel and the Gentiles and the church? Who could have done this and put all this together? Nobody but you, God. And so it's a real song of worship. Um, there's a quote from, uh, from Clark that goes like this. It says, It is strange that with such a scripture as this before their eyes, men should sit down coolly and possibly write about Councils and decrees of God formed from all eternity, of which they speak with as much confidence and decision as if they had formed a part of the council of the Most High and had been been with him in the beginning of his ways. Basically, this, this quote just kind of resonates with our hearts to say, how in the world can we possibly read something like this where we see the orchestrated plan of God to, to bring about the salvation of Israel and, and, and to bring about the salvation of, of those of us that are outside of Israel and to build the church and all that God has purposed to do? How can we look at that plan and not be drawn to awe and wonder about God? How can we, how can we fail um, to worship him? And, and then ultimately, um, he ends with this, uh, this quotation of Isaiah 59, 20, and 21, for who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Like, who in the world, who could be God's advisor? Or who has given him a gift that he might be repaid? Who is it that's actually given something to God? We don't give anything to God because ultimately anything we have belongs to God. And, and so he's acknowledging the, the greatness and the majesty of God in, in comparison to, you know, in, in comparison to human frailty. And then he reminds us of, you know, just a, a very simple thing that for from him and through him and to him are all things. And so, you know, let's not forget that that the very creation came at the word of God. Um, 
and and that 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 Jesus is the living Word of God and is present in the creation, and so so we come from Him. We come from the Word of God. That that we um, that that through Him. So our salvation is is brought about because Jesus is our King and because He's done the work um, to to pay our debt and and ultimately to to purchase our freedom, and then ultimately our worship is due Him. To him are all things. And so Paul just ends with this glorious confession. To him be glory forever. Amen. And so today, we, like the Apostle Paul, stand in the face of understanding the great price that was paid and ultimately the great plan that God has enacted. And and today, let's let that move us um, as, as we seek to... Um, as we seek to praise our God and to and to be thankful to the Lord for what He's done, and ultimately um, to to know Him and to follow Him more deeply, um, this just moves us to to great gratitude today. This week we're praying for the nation of Honduras. Um, we want to pray for the children uh, that are in the care of DNAF through foster families and through institutions. Um, we know that there are probably around 200 children that are in care in the nation of Honduras, and that's a large number for a nation the size of Honduras. We want to pray that the Lord's going to provide for their needs and keep them safe during the pandemic. Uh, we want to continue to to pray for DNAF, for the, the central authority, um, as they navigate COVID, as they um, build um, structures to, to take care of children and ways to take care of children during the pandemic. We want to pray for judges who are, who are making decisions that impact adoption. We want to pray for our team that they would build strong relationships with DNAF and that we would um, we would represent on behalf of the gospel. We want to pray for the church in Honduras that that they would rise up and take the lead in caring for vulnerable children and vulnerable families um, in their community. We want to want to pray this week for Carmen and Livio, uh, our attorney and representative in uh, in Honduras, and want to pray uh, for them to have wisdom and creativity and endurance as they work with DNAF in the courts and, and as they advocate for our families. We want to pray for good relationships as they seek to, um, to work and to help families with their cases. We want to pray for our in-process families. Um, we're thankful for their passion and their dedication um, to the culture and the country of Honduras, and we want to pray that they would endure and that they would have patience um, in, in what is sometimes a, a, a long and unwinding road. Um, please pray for our Lifeline team as well. Pray that the Lord gives them wisdom and discernment in navigating um, Honduras and in supporting our families uh, that are in the process. And and, and we, Lord, we're just thankful. Um, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to work in Honduras, to be your representatives, to be your ambassadors. Um, God, we pray for for DNAF and for all those who care for vulnerable children in Honduras. Lord, we pray um, that they would make wise decisions and that God, they would they would oversee a process that is that is caring for children. We pray for judges that are making decisions on behalf of families. That Lord, you would give them uh, the ability to judge wisely and and Lord ultimately to adjudicate cases in ways that are beneficial for children. Um, God, we pray for our team, um, both here and our team on the ground, Carmen and, and Livio. God, we pray that 
that you would, um, Lord, make them representatives and ambassadors of of your great gospel, that, Lord, we would leverage the opportunities that we have in uh, in adoption and in caring for vulnerable children in Honduras, um, God, in, in order to put, uh, to put Jesus on display and that we would be quick to tell people about the only hope that we have in Christ. Lord, we pray for... Um, God, for the church in Honduras, that you would you would burden people within the church to to rise up and to care for orphan and vulnerable children uh, in your name. And Lord, we we pray that you would get much glory from the work that's going on on the behalf uh, of orphan and vulnerable children by people who love you and who claim the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you um, that you would be magnified and that God, your kingdom purposes would be carried out in in all that we do and all that we say and and in every everything that we have an opportunity in. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. We thank you again for joining us on the Defender Bible Study. We'll be here again next week as we pick up in chapter 12 of the book of Romans and continue our study. Um, And we look forward to to joining you here next week um, for that great opportunity. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.